validate what you say, there's a part of wounded aspect of me goes into story. Well, what does that mean about me? If Rish doesn't accept me, what does that mean? Does that mean that the girls in school were right? Does that mean the boyfriend when I was 19 was right? Does that mean that I'm bad, horrible, never going to be accepted in this world, too fat, too skinny, not blonde enough? The story that the person goes into versus when you are received by the person, it is that little bit of validation that I feel a lot of people in this world are on their journey for, breaking through, needing approval from others. Welcome to Dads and Deadlifts podcast with me, your host, Rish. This podcast is to raise awareness around the social stigma of the word man up. Research has shown men are less likely to seek help for trauma, abuse, neglect, addictions, and mental illness because they will be perceived as weak. Research had directly or indirectly linked these problems to the social and cultural perceptions of the word man up. It's time to start a conversation and redefine this word man up. Each week, you will be hearing from men and women all around the world who survived emotional abuse, physical abuse, domestic violence, and addictions, and how they came out on the other side with triumph to begin a new chapter. You will also hear from experts and coaches all around the globe on matters like brain health, psychology of men and women, holistic healing, fitness, and last but not least, what it takes to be a man, overcoming the social stigma and expectations, and tap into your individual unique authenticity and vulnerability. Thank you for joining me in this mission to serve men around the world and letting them know they are not alone in this. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Dads and Deadlifts podcast with me, your host, Rish. Today's episode is brought to you by Podcast All-Stars Group on Facebook. Go and check it out. It's about podcasters all around the world making a difference. Without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Beck Antonucci. Hello. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And I appreciate your feedback that I should not, <laughs> I should not create a prep because guys, listen, 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 this is, this is, this is something I learned today from Beck. And this is exactly why I'm having her on this today's episode. She's so raw, so open and so authentic. I love it. Yes. That Rish do not create a prep, just go right into it. So I'm here. Thank you, Beck. You're so welcome. I mean, a big part of the reason why I love being on podcasts is I feel like a scripted, prepared version of me is trying to articulate and prior prepare what I'm going to say so that the receiver will validate whatever my words are versus I, my heart knows her truth. Your heart knows his truth. So you can ask me anything and instantaneously my heart will know exactly what to say. And when there's preparation and it's almost like, well, we're just trying to appease an audience yes. versus the podcast is entirely, and I believe podcasts in general are entirely about authenticity, truth, honesty, exactly what's on your heart. Even if the receiver doesn't like to hear what's going to come out of your mouth, yeah. it's the individual's truth. And for me personally, too much preparation takes me away from my truth. 
Yes, no, I, I agree. And I think I will remember it. And this is why I love you for this, because this is exactly why I got her. Guys, <laughs> you guys need to listen. And this episode is going to be amazing. I, I can't wait. So Beck, who is Beck? What's your story? Let's go. What is my story? Okay, so I coach women. I support them to break through ineffective self-worth and body image stories to activate their unique voice and live their most radically expressed, self-accepting and brilliant life. My journey is I was bullied horrifically in high school. I went to a prestige all-girls school where I suffered quite traumatic bullying to the point that I attempted to take my own life. And then that created a massive distrust within me with uh, both with women. From that point, I decided I'd never be accepted anywhere in the world, but I had not yet exhausted the avenue of men. So I threw myself into a relationship when I was 19 or 16 to 19, and that ended quite abruptly through an act of physical violence. My partner at the time punched me in the head and knocked me unconscious. In that period as well, I'd also been to a party when I was 16 years old and had my drink spiked by a man and woke up eight hours later, an older man as well, older, I was 16, they were 21. I woke up eight hours later on the opposite side of Perth. So for me at 19 years old, I was immensely scared of women. I was immensely scared of men and I felt like I would never fit in or find my place in this world. I then joined a gym trying to, I decided if I'm emotionally weak and people can hurt me, what if I try and make my body physically strong? Perhaps that will save me or it will give the impression that I am a strong person and people won't try to hurt me. So I joined a gym and I changed my body quite radically. And what I didn't know after being told what I felt like was being told my whole life that I'm an awful person, I didn't realize that I was actually quite attractive and people would find me very physically appealing And after I radically transformed my body in this gym, I all of a sudden was getting a lot of external validation. Women were very, very nice to me. Men were were attempting to date me. Facebook was very new. I had lots of friend requests. I had invites to parties, girls wanting, women wanting to hang out with me, men wanting to spend time with me. And all of a sudden I became addicted to and obsessed with body image and external validation because I related being beautiful and looking a certain way with being liked. And what I thought that meant was then people can't hurt me. What I didn't realize that I was doing was avoiding the emotional pain of the wound of being bullied, the wound of being hurt or physically assaulted by the person that I love. And I went on this 10-year disordered eating journey uh, trying to look a certain way to appease my external environment so I could gain their love and acceptance. And all it did was call more and more pain into my physical reality I had a horror overseas breast surgery when I was 22. I had that corrected when I was 24. I left the partner that I loved when I was 25. The man that I left him for gave me an STI. And that for me was the catalyst of my self-worth and soul journey of actually realizing that my love and acceptance can't be found outside of myself and it's all created within. And I felt like the universe took from me the last thing that I felt like I had, which was my appearance by giving me this STI, it's herpes, that society basically is, it's stigmatizing society as being disgusting, awful, laughable, horrible, essentially all the words that the women used to scream or the girls used to scream at me at school. And that was essentially the universe saying your love and acceptance can't be found outside of yourself. It does not matter what you look like. You can never find your happiness in the mirror. You will never find your happiness in a man. Your happiness first gets to be cultivated, created within for who you are as a person, not what you do, not what you look like, not for the things that you have. 
and now I'm here. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Oof. Okay. So let's let's kind of back up a little bit. When you said you went back to fitness or you went back to the gym mm-hmm. to show everyone like, yeah, I'm fit and all that. And that's mm-hmm. there's so much predominant in the society right now. Like, oh, I, I have to be in a certain way. I have to be this and this and that body image is so prevalent. How old were you? I was 19. I joined the gym when I was 19 years old. And I mean, I believe that fitness can be an incredibly healthy vehicle yes. for transformation, but it can also be a vice just like drugs, just like alcohol, just like food, just like sex. It is an incredibly healthy vehicle so long as you have a healthy relationship with it. And I didn't realize that I was using it as a form of avoidance. Yes. And probably a sort of validation too, right? That's basically like, oh, I, I want to look good. I want to be there. Yeah, not originally. I had no idea that that would come with it. I just went there as I went there as a young, scared, 19-year-old girl who felt like, you know, when you're in high school, high school feels like the entire world. You're 16 years old. And then feeling like I wouldn't be accepted anywhere if I can't fit in with 160 girls. How in the world am I going to fit in in the big wide world? And so I went to this gym as a scared little girl, as a really scared little girl. And wanting to build my confidence, thinking that if I could be physically strong, maybe that would make me mentally strong or that would make me appear strong and people would think that I'm strong. That was my intention. I want people to believe that I'm strong so that they will not try to hurt me because I was scared of pain at this point. What I didn't realize was the validation that came with that and how addictive, like any drug, how addictive validation is. And so it was this long-stemmed, long-winded lifetime up or up until now, lifetime obsession with as long if you validated me, it was like my ego was like, oh, bing, validation, fill the ego bank, that felt good. But the thing Mm -hmm. about addiction to validation, just like a gambling addict, just like a drug addict getting their next hit, it's only ever temporary. And then you're deflated until you get the next hit. And then you're deflated until you get the next hit. And so you're continually on this desperate hunt for everyone else's validation. And then when you get it, it feels amazing. When you don't feel get it, it's like life shattering. That's why yeah. social media is so prevalent. Yeah. People have an addiction to social. The, the notification goes off and we go straight to it and it feeds that part of us. But then we're hanging on our last post. That post got 500 likes. The next one got 50. And all of a sudden I was good. And now I'm not good anymore. They don't like what I said. That makes me, and then ego goes into, that makes me a bad person. That means I didn't like what I said. I'm no longer current or relevant. The girls in school are true. That means everything they said is real. Oh, the boyfriend that rejected me, that hurt me. Self-prophesizing our not enoughness, essentially. Wow. You know, I think like what you just brought up is um, I talk about ego is not your amigo. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes and no. It, one of my girlfriends went on a plant medicine journey a few months ago and her ego died for about five days. And the lesson that she shared with me is how, and I've never had this happen, like a complete ego death where I'm rid of ego. Mm-hmm. She said for five days her ego had left her and made her realize how important ego is. It's duality to be able to see good and bad, right and wrong, happy and sad. Ego is trying to protect us. And when we get sick of our own suffering, sick of our own bullshit, that's when we decide to create radical change in our life. So our ego supports us on our soul journey to becoming who we are. 
once we identify that we no longer want to be exactly what we're being. Yeah. And how much longer do I want to sit in my own suffering? And, and I'm self-creating that as well. I don't think my ego is not my friend. I would rather create a relationship with her and love her because she plays an important role in Rebecca's life. So I love her. Even wow. when she's not serving me, I don't ever think her. she's trying to ruin me. She's actually helping me on my self-actualization journey. I know. Wow. Uh, you, you, I think like you gave a point for me to think about, uh, to be very mm-hmm. honest with you, because um, I finished a book on an avid reader on holiday, Ego is the Enemy. And uh, what he talks about is when we reach out to our ego and our, uh, we got to be very careful, like how our ego kind of, as you said, like ego protects us. It's part of us. It's nothing separate. It's mm. me, me as Rish, even Beck, like John, whoever you want to name it. And it's been created. It's there to protect us. And wow, I, I have to think about it. Like, wow. I mean, like that's, that's a very, very good perspective. I, I never really thought about it. Some of my favorite books, you know how at the front of a book, people will write their thank yous. And it's usually to their mom and their wife and their boyfriend or their husband and all the people that believe in them. I love the books where the person also acknowledges, and my mentor Preston Smiles does this at the front of his, and it's called Love Louder. And it was something along the lines of to every bully. And I think, you know, my ego is here to do whatever she's here to do for me. And my bullies were here to do whatever they were here to do for me. And the boyfriends and the STI shame. And if I was to fight all of that and try and resist all of that, I wouldn't be the woman that I am today. So I would rather, you know, to begin with when you're in it and when you're in your shit really deeply, you never want to thank your bully and thank the person that punched you in the head and thank the person that spiked your drink, thank the person that hurt you. But once you're out of it and you're in reflection of it, there's the most, some of the most profound lessons you've ever been, I've ever been through. So how could I not love the bully all the events that I class as quote unquote bad, how could I not love my ego? She is how I relate and resonate with other women because every other woman has an ego doing similar things to her. And if I didn't have her, what am I going to be a monk in the middle of India, you know, just yeah. sitting there being chill. That's, yeah. not my, that's not my path in this life. Right. right. No, it's funny because I saw your videos and I love it because they're so authentic. And this is exactly why I kind of like want to talk to you about it too, because you talk about, and I believe in it too, is um, uh, people talk about, I think we are sugarcoating a lot of stuff right now, especially what's going on right now with the society and currently what's COVID-19 and George Floyd death and Black Lives Matter and all that thing. Like people are just sugarcoating uh, these things for long times. And and the way you showed up on social media and the fact that people are taking it on a completely different level in a different sense. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so we connected mainly through my post about the 25 push-up challenge for men's PTSD and mental health. Yes. And I understand that every single person on this planet is going to have a different perception of the world based on their lived experiences. I have, I feel as though for a long time, women have carefully curated their expression so that the receiver will validate it. I continually question myself, what am I doing right now to ensure that I can post the little bit controversial, but mostly liked post. Mm. And there was this thing within me that I feel very strongly about mental health. And I know that it's a very scary conversation to open up because it rips open wounds for so many people. We all know someone, whether it's ourselves or someone that we love that's affected significantly and severely by mental health. And I believe that mental health and mental illness are two very different things. But you open the conversation, there's so many opinions, and it basically opens you up to a lot of exposure and a lot of people telling you 
telling me that I'm wrong. And I saw the push-up challenge and I just felt like there's a better way to go about it. I've seen lots of challenges go around around about mental health and yet it raises a little bit of money, great, but why are mental health stats rising? Why are more and more people walking around feeling less than? And I believe that posting an ice bucket challenge or posting a push-up, I feel, with my network and who I see on the internet that's in my world, not someone else's version, I feel that there's more that can be done. I feel that sometimes we get to, I get to throw a spanner into social media to create a little bit of conscious disruption so that conversation is actually had. So I put this post up and I did it very loudly, very deliberately, very intentionally, very aggressively so that it pissed people off. And all of a sudden this huge conversation erupted about men's mental health. Well, I haven't seen other posts create that level of conversation around mental health. Uh I also, in the same sense, had seen other men post the same views as me and get supported for it. But because it came from a woman's mouth, a lot of people didn't like what I said that made me sexist. It made me a feminist. It made some people called me a, a lesbian man hater. Just heaps of conversation came out of it and wow. lots of projection at me. And what I'm saying is I believe that more can be done. Just posting 25 push-ups on the internet and then leaving the screen and not actually talking about mental health and having a conversation, that to me isn't enough. Knowing in my circle, in my community, that some people are posting the push-ups for the internet, for the audience to applaud and not actually reaching out to people in their community to see if they're okay, that to me is not enough. I have conversations with people all the time. I know a man from my coffee shop who goes through mental health, who only confides in me because I'm actually the stranger at the coffee shop that asks him how he's going and because of everything I share radically on the internet, he goes, Beck, you know what? Had a really challenging year. And he tells me, the in, I ask him more questions. He tells me the ins and outs of that. And he was the one that planted the seed for me. He goes, you know, all of my mates have posted that bloody push-up challenge and they posted that it's okay to not be okay selfie and tag 50 friends. And But no, not one of them has reached out to me and not one of them knows that I'm going through pain right now. Uh-huh. I challenged him to reach out to them and said, maybe they don't know how, but uh-huh. maybe you get to raise awareness around this and let them know that you're struggling or you're feeling challenged and confronted with your own mental health right now and you need male friends in your life. But for me, I was like, I'm done with being a people pleaser and just posting things so that people like it, comment it and say that I'm awesome. I'm going to throw a spanner in the works so that people actually talk about this. Mental health gets to be spoken about and I'm not always going to show up on the internet so that people like what I say. Sometimes the things that we need to hear are not what we want to hear. And I'm willing to be that person. No, you are. You are for sure. Uh, I, I, I saw your video. I saw your video. Trust me. And I'm like, okay, that's it. I, I'm definitely interviewing her. And uh, a lot of my friends in podcasting world and, uh, you know, like uh, I was kind of talking to them and um, they were like, oh, well, I mean, your main audience is men. I'm like, yes, but the theme is still the same. Trying to change this direction, mm-hmm. trying to change the narrative of manning up and man up and understanding like, okay, vulnerability is a good thing. Kindness. Vulnerability is beautiful. Women love a yes. man that can be vulnerable. Love oh. it. Um, and that's, that's another thing I wanted to get to you right now is, mm-hmm. and that's like really wanted to ask you the next question is you as a coach mm-hmm. work with women. Mm-hmm. What's the definition? Or I don't even know how to frame this question. It's more like, what's your definition of like a ideal man or, and as you were talking about vulnerability is, is a 
beautiful thing and this is what I believe it. I live it. It's more like as men, we are not showing up the way we should be showing up. And what are you seeing coaching all of these women and with your experience? So I'll be honest and let you know that I'm still on my journey of healing my relationship with Absolutely. the masculine. So I have rewritten my standards when it comes to a man and who I'm holding space for because old wounded Beck had a different, I would then attract the wounded masculine. So I was on a big body image journey. I would go to the gym and be attracted to these muscular men who were, I guess, pseudo or facade masculine, but deeply insecure on the inside. And the thing about me is because I do get so vulnerable, because I am so raw and honest, I create the space for people to really be themselves. And I, in my wounded self, and I've always had this natural ability, would meet these men, be attracted to these men for their ego and how they show up in life. And this is their, this is their avatar. And then behind closed doors, I would get the real version of them. Yeah deeply insecure and worried about their body image, perhaps the size of their genitals or whether they earn enough money if they can be man enough, which is fine. I was definitely too young at the time to truly understand that. And it's not until now I get that because at the time I would judge them like, I'm attracted to this man who pretends that he's like the man in the outside world. Mm. And now behind closed doors, you're in my eyes at the time at 22 year old, 23, 24, 25 year old Rebecca who wasn't in the work yet that to me felt weak or pathetic. I'm attracted to this act that you put on. Behind closed doors, you're different. I Now, where I'm at in my journey, I have so much respect for someone who can show up with exactly what's present for them. I believe what I'm holding space for is a person who has a deep awareness of themselves, which means who you are behind closed doors is who you are in, in the outside world. You know, we all come from different cultures and I was even saying this, I run a small group program and the women are feeling conflicted to show up in their shit and I've told you, you have full permission to show up with whatever's present for you, which means coming from an Italian culture, behind closed doors, my family could be having an argument, but my dad would get to the front door if family was coming over and everything would be all smiles. And that to me is triggering. I'm the kind of person that if you and I are having a fight right now and then we do a podcast, I'd be like, just so you guys know, we were just having an (laughs) argument. And this yeah. is what the argument is about. Yeah. So I believe that showing up in integrity, showing up with exactly what's present for you is powerful. Yeah. Man or woman. But having creating a deep awareness of yourself is powerful. Man or woman. Being vulnerable is absolutely beautiful. Man or woman. I believe that is pure strength. Yeah. Absolute pure strength. And what I find the most, what I look for in a person, in a man, is someone who's not willing to settle. Because sometimes, and this is still, again, like I said, I'm still on my pro, on my journey of healing my relationship with the masculine. We all are. I, I think we all are. It's, it's a journey. It's in, never It's never ending. So is sometimes I feel that men can settle. So I know what I'm holding space for and it's a feeling, which means I've had brilliant men come into my space and in terms of ticking the boxes, deep awareness of self, tick, passionate, tick, life purpose, tick, great relationship with money, tick, like he's ticked everything and great uh, relationship with sex, highly sexual, like puts me first, makes me a priority, like all of my things. I've had men come into my space, tick it all, but the feeling for me has not been there. Like the, oh, you're my person. Mm-hmm. It's like I've got, a, I've got a list that's been ticked off, but the feeling that I'm holding space for doesn't come with it. And what I find with men is what in my experience 
is they can meet a woman or meet me and I tick their box, but the list of feelings is not there, but they're still willing to say, yeah, you're my person. Yeah. You're beautiful. You're attractive. You're determined. You've got a good head on your shoulders. You work hard. That ticks or you'd be a good mother. You've got blue eyes, large breasts, whatever it is. I'm attracted to you. And I feel as though if I don't have that extreme connection and chemistry with you, how can you feel that? It's a two-way street. And that to me is what I find most attractive in a man, a man that's not willing to settle. Just because an awesome woman comes along doesn't mean that she's your woman. What I find most amazing, this is what I want to finish with, is say no to the good so that you can say yes to the great. That's brave. That's bold. That's saying like, Beck, you're an amazing woman, but you're not my woman. And I'm going to say no because I'm holding space for the amazing woman that is mine. And you are amazing, but the feeling's not there. So I'm going to say no and hold space for who's really coming and not settle. And that's what I think is the most beautiful quality, man or woman. Say that again. To say no to the good, to say yes to the great. Amazing. 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 Because... Been there, done that, guys. Been there, done that. And honestly, like, I think that's one thing I am striving for now. I was having a discussion with one of my friends and the same thing. I was like, yeah, I had shown up as authentic as I can be before all this. But uh, right now I have a son. I uh, finished a divorce, but I'm not going to settle. It's here. It's a hard space at the end of the day. I can have the best connection with someone, but no. And wow. I mean, amazing. Thank you. Thank you for saying it. And I do want to say it. Say it again, please. (laughs) (laughs) Say no to the good so you can say yes to the great. Oh my God. Like I will actually write it down. (laughs) And this problem. (laughs) Don't reference me. I think I got that from Preston Smiles. And he says that, I mean, that philosophy can be applied to anything in life, right? Absolutely. And it doesn't mean that you don't try. It doesn't mean that you're like, I'm interested in Beck right now. Yeah. And so I'm going to explore this, but you might not be my person. And yeah. that's fine. And you might know you're not my person, but I know right now, for whatever reason, you've come into my space and we're meant to explore this and whatever lessons are meant to come from this engagement. And I know that you're not it forever. Yeah. And that's probably fine as well. Some people yeah. come for a season. But I find that most brave and most brilliant in a man. I find that to be the true embodiment of masculinity. I know when I'm sitting with a man and he says things that he thinks that I want to hear. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I just want to mm-hmm. hear you speak whatever you have to say, regardless of whether I agree with it. I think it's great. I think it's terrible. Yeah. I just want to hear you. Don't speak to try and appease me Yeah. or try and get me on side or try and get me to like you. Just be who you are. And if you're meant to be my, if we're meant to connect, then we will just be who you are. So then my next question to you is uh, from my audience, from women's standpoint, what do you think from women's standpoint, men do that? Acceptance to be received by the woman to, I mean, all of us, we love, love and acceptance. It comes from being back in the tribes of what we think one of our basic human needs Mm. is to be accepted, which goes back to hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And it's like, you know, you go out against one saber-toothed tiger, you're going to lose. You in the tribe against the saber-toothed tiger and you're quite safe. So that's where our ingrained feeling of desiring connection and, and to be accepted comes from. But on top of that, it feels great when the person you like or person you're attracted to kind of feels your ego bank. And yeah. we create a massive story when that person doesn't. Generalisation. If you mm-hmm. say, Beck, I don't like you, Beck, I don't validate what you say, there's a part of wounded aspect of me goes into story. Well, what does that mean about me? If Rish doesn't accept me, 
what does that mean? Does that mean that the girls in school were right? Does that mean the boyfriend when I was 19 was right? Does that mean that I'm bad, horrible, never going to be accepted in this world, too fat, too skinny, not blonde enough? The story that the person goes into versus when you are received by the person, it is that little bit of validation that I feel a lot of people in this world are on their journey for. Breaking through, needing approval from others. Breaking through, fearing what people think of them. I believe one of the greatest things in this world is to be yourself regardless of. I I always, even when I see shit on the internet, things on the internet I don't agree with, I'm like, that person is being bold and radical right now. And I'll always be like, love to see you, love seeing you and honoring you for standing in your truth and speaking your truth. It doesn't mean I have to agree with it. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. I do. I really do agree with that uh, because that's where I think a lot of uh, the, the situations right now that's going on currently, Black Lives Matter, people are not showing up. So I guess one of my question for you, especially keeping the topic on hand as women, and I know you from Facebook and I already saw you uh, and you probably are one of the most authentic person I've ever seen in my life so far on social media. I love that. I really do. What would you say to men who are unwilling to show up and who are putting up excuses to say, hey, you know what, this is more of a feminist movement, which I don't agree, by the way, just so you know, guys, that's exactly what, what this podcast is, what is about. The feminist what is the feminist movement? Oh, they're trying to, or you are trying to dehumanize us as men, right? Women are? I don't know. That's, I don't believe it. What I'm saying is, what would be your take on it for people who are listening who think that way? Because I don't believe in it. Uh, that's exactly this whole podcast about. And from women's standpoint, uh, I, I want to... I put up a video the other day about what's going on right now because I feel as though a part of me has no right to speak about it. And then I feel as though being silenced on it also is not effective. Mm. I feel as a white woman in society, a white privileged woman in society, oh, okay. I, okay. I have no right to speak about what's going on in the world right now, the Black Lives Matter. And then it put me into a deep state of reflection around all the stuff that I said and wrote about the 25 push-up challenge and men and women. And I truly believe that everything touches everything. And when I look at what's going on with Black Lives Matter and I've seen posts on the internet about white privilege, everyone seems to deflect about the rebellion and say how bad the riots are or the looting is, deflecting and what I feel is gaslighting away from the original issue at present, which is systemic oppression and racism. And then when I link that back to what I wrote about men, the push-up challenge, men's mental health and men... Uh, essentially me calling men out and some men didn't like that. I think about everything that's happened in my life around men and I was like, that almost in itself, a rebellion of sorts. Yes. It was the woman saying, I want to be seen and heard as equal. Mm-hmm. And it is black lives saying, we want to be seen and heard as equal. Now, when you ask nicely to be seen and heard as equal and there's even a comedy skit that I put up the other day that Preston shared, like equal rights, as if there's a person on the planet being like, yeah, I believe in equal rights and someone else saying like, no, nah, man, I don't. Like my rights are more important than someone else's. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's, but when people are fighting for it and you don't get it, then you're going to get a rebellion. And so I guess my question to men would be, do you actually, women have been fighting to be seen as equal for a really long time, a really long time. And if we're not, that's when the rebellion comes in and some people can receive that as feminism or hate or dehumanizing. But all we're asking to is to be seen and heard as equal. 
do you actually want that? I believe, and that's a genuine question that I have. And on the other, on the, I think on the other side, what I can hear, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, uh, you're fine. It just that the thought just came to my mind. Like when you say women want to be equal, then my question to men is, as a host of this podcast is, and I had talked a little bit about this on other episodes, are we wanting to be equal or is it more of a men versus women or is it I am trying to create? The whole point to me is... To be totally honest, I would love men to say, actually, I'd like women to take control because if I give you my honest perspective, I'm like, who created men being in power and men being superior to women? Where did the man up terminology come from? Men. Men. Men came back to me like, how dare you say these things? And we're oppressed and suppressed human beings. You suppressed and oppressed yourselves. We were, you guys created the get in the kitchen culture. Women are here for sex and pleasure. You are the, we are the breadwomen. You are the child makers. You're here to have Mm -hmm. sex with us. We're here to have our babies. You do what we say. Now it's turned out that men are now feeling so suppressed that they cannot speak their feelings, but I don't want to project blame here, but my question is who created that? Yeah. Not the woman. No, we created we it. Judge, yeah. You created it. You, this was self-created. So why would we then give men the opportunity to create the solution? You created the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Let's then give, put it into the woman's hands who loves you. Women deeply love you. Like, I don't think men understand. When I post these things, I deeply love humans. Yeah. Oh, and I'm so willing to face off with my own shit. I know that I'm still going through my relationship with men. I know with all of this Black Lives Matter stuff that I'm now questioning all of my beliefs. The other day I was in my car at a little bit of a direction change, all of my, in part of the lights, and I saw a dark man walking what felt like towards my car. He was just walking on the path. And my hand naturally went to lock the inside of my car door. And because of what's going on right now, I was like, where did that belief system come from that I didn't even think about it unconsciously? Mm. A man's walking towards my car, a very dark man, and my hand automatically went to lock. And so right now I'm in a place of questioning everything, questioning all of my beliefs, but it's from a place of deep love, deep love for the man, deep love for the woman. Women deeply, deeply, deeply love men. And there's been a lot of pain put on and pressed upon us, which, yes, your generation is not your fault, but we've been raped tortured, like historically burned. I would have been seen as a witch years ago. I would have been burned on a stake for all the things that I post. That's the stored trauma in the cells of my being from past lives, Uh whether people believe this or not. So now women are just asking to be seen as equal and it's not about dehumanizing, but it's saying potentially if you created the problem, give us an opportunity to create some space for solution. Yeah, no, I, I agree because when you told me that the other day, uh, when we mm-hmm. were talking about that, uh, Rish, you were being a man, you were kind of bringing this to the platform and uh, wonder how much support or, or flack you're going to get versus me as a woman trying to bring this awareness. I'm getting a lot of negative comments. You are? No, you, we were having this discussion, remember? Like yeah. as a woman, when you are trying to bring this awareness, these discussions, mm-hmm. you're getting all the negative comments versus if as a man, if I'm bringing this, and that's exactly this podcast platform is about, the negative comments would be much less because yeah, so a man raised it versus a woman raised it. Yeah, exactly. And that's this kind of thing that I want to bring awareness to. So yeah. as part of our, the coaching course that I'm in, and we do speak about controversial things, mm-hmm. intentionally to do this on the internet, right? Because I posted what I posted about the 25 push-up challenge. So I told all the men in my community, 
posts about this. It creates so much attention. They all did the same thing as me. They all got supported. You're an amazing man. So brave of you for sharing this. I was like, I got support and I got flack. It was both opinions. But the people who disagreed with me disagreed with me hard. And I, yeah. it just brought this huge awareness that when it comes from the woman's mouth, the men didn't want to receive it. When it came from the man's mouth, the men and the woman both applauded him. And I was like, what an interesting observation. That's basically the problem. That's exactly that tells you that's that's an issue. And uh, that's exactly what we are talking about here. I think uh, one of the biggest thing that uh, the challenges uh, that we are facing right now is uh, actually bringing awareness to this issue and how it's about, it's not men or women, it's men and women, it's together. And somehow figuring out like, okay, what can we as gender, basically as human beings, whatever you want to call it, can do to connect. And uh, same as Black Lives Matter, right? We all bleed the same. Yeah. We're all here for the same purpose. Yeah. And, and I, my personal belief is that it's so deep. This is a program so deep that I really invite the man to question. Like we still want you to be the dominant superior. We're not saying don't be that. We're not saying don't be step into your masculine. We're not saying don't be that. But in terms of being, we still want to go to you for nurture and to feel safe. We love that about the man. We're not taking away any of those traits, characteristics. If that's what you want to be, maybe you don't want to be that. But to be seen as equal and every person right now with everything that's going on in the world, I really get, I would ask them the question, do you want to be seen as equal to everyone else? Because there has been a power play going on for so long and that's just my, my invitation to ask, do you really want to be seen as equal, gender awesome. or race? Awesome. No, I'm gonna, I think like this is exactly where I want to stop because this is powerful and I, I believe in it. And I, I think like that's exactly where we should be focusing at this point, especially what's going on right now, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Not just men and women, not just gay marriages, not just Black Lives Matter and all that. So here's the thing. I do ask a question to all my guests to finish off the conversation. And it's a surprise question. Are you ready? I'm excited. Okay. Okay. Now I feel like this one's going to be a really fun one. Hit me. (laughs) Okay. No, I don't know. I don't know. Now you kind of built me up. I don't know about that, but okay. So the question is for Beck today, what is your description of your mission? If you want to put it in one word or one sentence. Personal freedom. I'm here on this planet. I know to be a radical permission bearer for people to come to a place of deep love and acceptance for themselves, exactly for who they are. And I personally believe that personal freedom is our divine human birthright. What I've learned through this Black Lives Matter movement is that personal freedom is actually, while it's our divine human birthright, not accessible to every human being on the planet because of the skin suit that we were born into, because of the color skin the place in which we were born. So for those of us privileged, white privilege or not, for those of us privileged enough to be able to create our own personal freedom, it is our human responsibility, our social responsibility on this planet to create it for ourselves because once we have a full cup, we can give from the overflow. But I can't care about Black Lives Matter if I hate myself. Yeah. I'm here to be that radical permission bearer so women and men come to a place of love and acceptance of themselves and then in turn we start giving from we do more for others because once I love myself I see you and I can hold you in so much love as long as I'm looking in the mirror hating me 
there and judging myself. There's no space for love for anyone else. No, absolutely. Wow. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a, such a deep connection. Thank you so much, Beck. Where can people find you? Find me on Instagram at Beck Antonucci. It's B-E-K. I'm sure you'll put it in the show notes. Yes. That would be amazing. Um, feel free to reach out, engage. I love it. I also have a six-week program. I do one-on-one coaching for women and also a six-week uh, group coaching program. So women and men are welcome to, of course, reach out to me. I love the engagement and I look forward to hearing from them. Okay, guys, listen, um, I'm going to put uh, Beck's uh, coaching program and uh, the website and Instagram and social media information on my account on the podcast. Uh, hopefully, you guys really enjoyed this show and really had a deep introspection of what we kind of talked about today. Every day, I finish my episode as usual with a quote from my favorite book that I'm reading. I'm an avid reader. So for your episode, not for your episode, this is the book I'm reading right now by Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And I'm going to end this episode with this couple of paragraphs, basically. Being an American boy is a setup. We train boys to believe that the way to become a man is to objectify and conquer women, value wealth and power above all, and suppress any emotions other than competitiveness and rage. Then we are stunned when our boys become exactly what we have trained them to be. Our boys cannot follow our directions, but they're cheating and dying and killing as they try to. Everything that makes a boy human is a real man's dirty secret. Gender is not wild, it's prescribed. When we say girls are nurturing, the boys are ambitious. Girls are soft and boys are tough. Girls are emotional and boys are stoic. We are not telling the truths. We are sharing beliefs, beliefs that have become mandates. If these statements seem true, is because everyone has been so well-programmed. Human qualities are not declared and generated. What is gendered is permission to express certain traits. Why? Why would our culture prescribe such strict gender roles? And why would it be so important for our culture to label all tenderness and mercy as feminine? Because disallowing the expression of these qualities is the way the status quo keeps its power. So, that's actually a funny thing that you, it's that book that you're reading because that's next on my list. Yeah, Untamed. Oh my God. I, I, I definitely, definitely prescribe it for everyone. It's amazing. And so, okay. Beck, thank you so much for your time. Thank Thanks you. for coming to my you podcast. Know. Thanks for raising awareness. Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing and be you. you thank we, you. I will. Men, men need people like you. Trust me. Yeah. I, re- okay. I receive every word of that. So thank you very much. Okay. Guys, thank you so much. And this is the end of this episode. Uh, Hopefully, as I said, uh, you guys gain some knowledge. Uh, Feel free to reach out to me if you guys have any questions. And I will see you guys on next episode. Till then, signing off. Ciao, ciao. Thanks for listening to another episode of Dads and Deadlifts. And I hope you are as excited as I am learning from our guest today on the specific topic. Please subscribe, share, and leave a comment and tag Dads and Deadlifts on Instagram and Facebook with your experience of today's episode. Because remember, your one share might save someone from feeling alone and provide them the tools they can incorporate in their daily lives. Let's each of us do our part in helping men around the world. You can personally message me on my Facebook page or Instagram page, Dads and Deadlifts. If you want your story to be shared on the podcast, or if you just feel alone and want someone to reach out to. Always remember, you are not alone. All you got to do is reach out. And I am rooting for you. Until next week, your host Rish, signing off. 
I will see you next week with another brand new episode.